As Vicki just shared, our Old Testament scripture lesson comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, you can find it on page 245 in the Pew Bible. And then we'll turn over to page 950 for our New Testament lesson from Ephesians. Before I read our scripture lesson, let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. Guide us by your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Shine a light on how you would call us to live for us as your people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, our Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now, when the king had settled into his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, Did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise you up an offspring who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So then remember that at one time, You Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, 
a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you find yourself looking over your shoulder as I was reading the scripture? Did you shiver just a bit when you heard me proclaim, Christ is our peace? No? Well, if we were living in Ephesus, gathered in a house, listening to this letter being read, you might have been watching that door a bit more closely. The original audience of this letter was living under Roman rule, which meant they were rather familiar with talks of peace. This Roman idea of peace didn't mean that they were free from war, but rather the Pax Romana understood peace to be when opponents had been beaten into submission. It sounds eerily familiar to the Hunger Games. As I read the books and watched the movies, it struck me that in each of the districts, there were these folks called peacekeepers. They wore masks and carried weapons, And if the residents of a district didn't toe the line, the peacekeepers would beat them, publicly humiliate them, or worse, just make them disappear. It sounds even more familiar as I think about footage that we have seen played over and over again in the past year of police in riot gear facing off against unarmed peaceful protesters. 
the Pax Romana under which the Ephesians were living can hit close to home. Peace under Augustus necessarily said that some people were more valuable than others and as such led to economic, racial, and gender disparity. This is why the peace of Christ, which we just heard spoken in our New Testament lesson, was so treasonous. It lifted up leadership other than that of Caesar. The peace of Christ was a source of unity without erasing individual identity and as such was a direct threat to Caesar's dictatorial rule. In Christ, we celebrate our diversity rather than silence voices or build up dividing walls. The peace of Christ is based in the grace we've received. Because we've been forgiven, we extend that grace to others. It's why during non-pandemic times, we immediately follow the direct declaration of forgiveness by extending our hand to those around us and saying, peace be with you. We are bearing that peace to those around us because we know what it's like to receive God's grace and live in that peace ourselves. Peace be with you. Even though we have different political ideologies. Peace be with you, even though we were cheering against each other at the football game yesterday. That's what we're doing, not just catching up with old friends, but bearing the peace of Christ to one another. But the peace of Christ isn't just about extending the right hand of fellowship during worship on Sunday mornings. It's about ensuring that the walls humanity has put back up are torn down. If the peace Christ brings us has broken down barriers, then we should not live in a community where working families struggle to find affordable housing. If the peace of Christ has removed the walls between us, then we should not see a gender pay gap that still exists. And certainly... If the peace of Christ has removed hostility, there should not be racism at work in our world. Verse 14 said, Christ is our peace. He has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall between us. Beyond these walls, the peace of Christ calls us to be something other than a Hunger Games-style peacekeeper who seeks to bend others to our will, making a sense of false peace. You remember that in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. If we truly understand that we are recipients of Christ's peace, then we are not simply bearing it to one another within our sanctuary, We are called to make peace outside this space, to work toward a community in which everyone can afford a safe and stable place to live, to value work equally no matter a person's gender, 
and to celebrate the diversity of God's children and embody Christ's unifying grace in our world. One way you might choose to be a part of bearing God's peace outside these walls is through involvement with the Capital Area Justice Ministry. Over the next few months, members of Faith's Justice Ministry team are going to be hosting meetings where you can come together and listen to the problems of our city and then work for solutions to those very problems. We'll work for solutions by joining with more than 20 other communities of faith in Tallahassee to make our city look a little bit more like God's kingdom. These congregations are from the north side and the south side. There are white and black communities of faith involved. There are Jewish and Christian congregations alike taking part in this ministry. And they are all coming together to use their people power to speak out against disparities that we might see in our community, to affect policy change that once again removes the walls that have been put up between us. The peace of Christ is at move beyond our church. You'll notice that as recipients of God's peace, the scripture also makes sure to remind us that we are no longer strangers, but rather we are citizens of the household of God. It's a stark contrast to the physical temple that David wanted to build in our Old Testament lesson this morning. Christ has now given us a spiritual home without boundaries or borders. It is this household to which we have been made citizens. As someone who was born in the U.S., I've never thought much about what it really means to be a citizen. So I did some digging and found a guide from Homeland Security for those who are seeking to become naturalized citizens, those who were once strangers or aliens, but will now be citizens, like Paul talks about in our passage. The guide lists out both benefits and responsibilities. As someone who was born here, I think I take that citizenship for granted. You see, I'm great at exercising the benefits of my citizenship, like the right to vote or traveling to exotic places on my passport. The responsibilities, on the other hand, such as swearing allegiance or service to country, those aren't really things I think about often or work much to exercise. When Paul says that we are now citizens of the household of God, he is reminding us not only of the benefits, but also of the responsibilities. In baptism, we received our citizenship papers, and it's to this household to which we are called to now live out our allegiance. We have a responsibility to live not only like those who are recipients of God's grace, but to be reconciled to one another and acknowledge 
that others are recipients as well. We have to truly embody the peace of Christ each and every day. If we're not simply saying, peace be with you, but actually living it out, these acts of reconciliation to each other will not be quick or easy, but it will be meaningful work. A great example of this is some work that's already going on in our church family, thanks to the Black Dog Sunday School class. You may not realize that there's another Presbyterian church in town by the name of Trinity United Presbyterian. It's a predominantly black congregation, not by choice, but by necessity. Back in the 1950s, Irene Mandexter, an African-American resident of Tallahassee, tried to attend the only PCUSA congregation in town and was turned away repeatedly. Finally, the pastor of that white congregation offered not to welcome Miss Mandexter to the church, but rather to help her start her own congregation for black people to attend. This shared history of our community of faith in Tallahassee isn't uncommon, but it is something for which reconciliation is needed. For the past seven months, the Black Dog Sunday School class of faith has been meeting for Bible study with the folks of Trinity United, the congregation that Ms. Mandexter founded, getting to know them and learning more of their story. They're building relationships and working to acknowledge the hurt of this racist act. They also hope to invite others from our church to attend Trinity United's Founders Day this coming January as a way of working toward reconciliation and embodying the peace of Christ in the face of racism that is still present in our world today. This is the type of work to which Christ's peace calls us. We are not strangers to God, but rather citizens of God's household because of the peace Christ has brought us. Can you envision a Tallahassee where no child goes hungry on the weekend? Can you imagine a Tallahassee where every neighborhood has equal access to VPK? Can you picture a Tallahassee where a black church and a white church with a shared past come together and say, we shall overcome? I believe that God does envision this and so much more. Let's join in God's adventure and help bring the kingdom here on earth. Amen.